And it's me, friends. Welcome to another episode of the show. That's right, the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. I am pumped. You know, I always say it's my favorite thing to do to record these intros, and it's straight up true. I love this because I get excited when I'm sitting here in front of the mic with what you're about to hear, and today's guest is no exception. Uh, it's been really fun. I've been asking for a lot of feedback whenever I bump into people on the street, uh, get stopped for a selfie or whatever. I'm like, what can I do different and how can I make the podcast continue to be rich and wide-ranging and joyful? And uh, one of the pieces of feedback I got is continue to have guests from all over all sorts of different disciplines. So today I am doing that because I haven't had that many tech folks. And this folk is a tech entrepreneur by the name of Ryan Carson. Ryan has been a friend of mine for a while. He is the founder of Treehouse. So not only is he sort of a tech and design buff, but he is a successful entrepreneur because Treehouse was founded a long time, or really close to the same time as Creative Live was founded. In fact, we kind of think of them as having a really similar, interesting arc where we stumbled into what it is that we were doing. And then, oh, then this online education thing, quote, happened when we were already in the game. But it's so fun to see the successful company that he's made. Most folks that I know, if you're trying to learn coding, there's all sorts of places that you can get on the internet. But Treehouse focuses specifically on sort of design and code. Amazing company that Ryan's built. And Ryan himself is such a stand-up guy. I don't know. I've always loved the notion that there is a creator in every person. And I think Ryan's um, initial foray into design and then sort of wondering about his creativity as he moved into code and coding, it was never really a thing for him. And kind of like me, I believe there's a creator in every person. He tells this great story about leveraging just the things that he was good at, never having some master plan and landing in this really, really cool place where he is today with Treehouse. We talk about how he got started, and it's just in case you were curious for uh, basically for nine out of every 10 successful creators slash entrepreneurs that I know, it's never a straight line. It's never a straight line. It's it's a path of exploration, of failure, of self-discovery, of self-discovery, of rediscovery. And you're going to see that with Ryan's story. Super grassroots efforts to start a small community, just literally like wanted to get a bunch of people in, in, into a room and do a workshop. And it was from that first workshop that he launched treehouse he breaks down he does such a good job actually breaking down his why like why does he get up and go to work every day why does he love what he does of course we explore the how you know discovering his area of expertise the burgeoning opportunity and a passion for building community and adding value that's you know what you're going to want to follow ryan beyond this interview i know it after you hear him talk his winding path and his thought process is going to resonate with you and so many uh of us who've wondered at all sorts of different times. Where in the hell am I going? What am I doing? Be true. Stay true. Because if you're like me or Ryan Carson, uh, I think you're going to find what you're looking for. And I hope this podcast delivers. Enjoy. And before we get to the show, just a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of Chase Jarvis Live Show is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education. And right now you're saying, wait a minute, isn't that the company that you started? Yes, it is. It is my company, but they make this show possible. And if you don't know anything about Creative Live, you must check it out. It's where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best 
of the best teach photo, video, art design, music and audio, craft and maker, and the ability to make a living and a life in all of those disciplines. There is free content there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and there's also more than 10,000 hours of content for you to access on demand. You guys know I'm a huge believer in the power of daily habits, and today Creative Live, as a part of the sponsor announcement, wants you to know that they have a new, very powerful way to make education a part of your daily routine. That would be the Creative Live iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV apps. They're all free, and they let you watch all of the Creative Life classes that are on air streaming for free, anything you already own, and on the iPhone and iPad apps, you can watch one daily lesson of your choosing for free. That is one of 25,000 lessons for free, which is super, <laughs> super gnarly. To get those apps, go to the App Store, uh, iTunes, and search Creative Live, or go to creativelive.com slash apps. There you go. Now, let's get into the show. Good to be here. Welcome to be on the show. I'm excited. Yes. Good to hang. Um, it's been a long time coming. Mm. We have been co-mingling, I would say, <laughs> for like, what do you say, maybe three years? Something like that. Something like that. A lot that. of phone calls. A lot of phone calls, lot hanging of out at trade shows every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and I still think there's room for us to do something big between Treehouse and Creative Life. I agree. No question about that. I agree. Um, we originally connected, if I'm not mistaken, because we share an investor, but we, what I, where our conversation went originally, this is my recollection, and one of the reasons, one of the many that I wanted to have you on the show, uh, is I have always looked at the notion that there is a creator in all of us. And I think there's a whole subset of our population in the world here at Creative Live, and people who pay attention to this show, who identify as creative. And what people miss is that when I say creative, it's literally every person, but I want people to think like, I identify as a creator, and that world, to me, includes writing code. Absolutely. Yep. And when you and I first started talking about what code was um, and how it was creative, we were talking about your path to jobs and how the freelance economy has changed and how all of this is becoming democratized. This is all me telling you what I think, though. Right. <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying to sort of get to that place where you can recap one of our early conversations about how you think about this whole sort of ecosystem. I think you were actually like, I don't really, uh, it's, it's, it's all creative to me, and, and I don't think of myself as yeah. a coder or coding, but you tell the story. Yeah, we are really trying to empower people, period, to get amazing jobs that are creative. Yeah. You know, some of the most amazing developers and programmers I know actually identify as creative people. Mm -hmm. You know, they come from a musical background or um, an art background. So, uh, yeah, I want everyone watching to know that, you know, they hear the word code and actually it's not at all science. It's not math. Yep. It's really nothing to do with computers or science. It's yep. basically, it's just creativity. It's just creating things. Yeah, and ultimately, um, I mentioned in, in your intro the, that I've had other guests who identify as technologists. One guy in, protect, uh, in particular, David Hanemeyer Hansen. Oh, right, yeah. Um, 37 Signals, uh, Ruby on Rails. Um, but what is crystal clear to me is that um, you have been on a journey as a founder, CEO. You have... Uh, probably seen your industry change 
and that's not going away anytime soon. So in order for us to talk about time, like right now, I need you to tell a little bit of a story from where you came, what's your background, and how did you end up at starting this tech company teaching people how to code? Yeah, it's been, sometimes it feels like it's been <laughs> 10 lifetimes. Lifetime, and sometimes you it's been- You look great, been, by the way. Yeah, like, you don't I, look like a I feel really old. When, when my beard grows, man, it's great these days, <laughs> right? I'm like, wow, okay. Um, it's been an amazing journey because uh, my life really is founded upon this idea that I really do want to help people. Like, um, I actually grew up in this really religious home. Wow. Um, love my mom and dad, kind of religious and kind of intense. Yeah. Um, maybe that's your thing, maybe it's not. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was really drilled into me, help other people yeah. and serve people and like, make their life better. So basically was gonna do that. Actually, crazily, was gonna be a pastor. Wow, Yeah. these but, are things I did not know. Yeah, I know, and you know, so there's a, a part of me that was gonna go that whole route. Um, and then I just, fell in love with technology and, and creating and everything related to that. So I decided to study computer science. And it was only because back in 96, you couldn't really do anything that you either chose computer science or you know, something else like yeah. chemistry or, I mean, it's like, I don't know, I'll do the thing with computers in it. Um, so did that and then graduated and God bless my parents, they paid for my college degree and they you know, put me into college. Um, which now that I'm you know, older and wiser, I, I realize how privileged I am. Yeah. Like really, really thankful. Born white, middle class, America. Male. In the, male in this time, in this place. Right, uh, you know, it, everything about that meant I was, I had all the cards and I could succeed. And I'm tremendously grateful for that. Um, so, you know, thought, I'm gonna go into technology, and actually, uh, I lived my whole life in Colorado, and I was like, I, I, I'm worried my life view like, is limited somehow, because I only have lived in Colorado, so I'm gonna go live somewhere else. And uh, so I watched a movie, the best movie of all time, it's called Notting Hill. <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. In, in case you haven't watched it, it's a romantic comedy, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I hope I'm pushing your, your boundaries it. here. Yeah, I um, And, you know, so Hugh Grant lives in London. And I was like, I'm going to move to London. You know, how hard can it be? Literally from not Literally, Hill. yeah. And, uh, and what they don't tell you, it's like San Francisco. You actually have to be a multimillionaire to actually live in London. So expensive. <laughs> oh, or San Francisco. Is it like top, it's top five in the world most expensive Yeah, cities, I mean, right? it's yeah. just stupid, right? Um, San Francisco is the most expensive in the country. And then London, I, I right. like how you're thinking. So I, but I didn't do any of that research. Of I just not. thought I'm going to move because Hugh. Hugh Grant's great. Right? <laughs> so, um, so moved to England. And uh, I got a job pretty quickly as a web developer. And uh, this was at a time when cre creativity on the web was exploding. Yeah. You know, people were sharing their projects and their code and their ideas and, and it was exciting, yeah. you know? Um, and so at that time, um, we actually started this thing called By Designers For Designers. And it was a meetup. Um, and the idea was, you know, let's get people together and talk about they're, what they're passionate about, excited about, and, and how they can share ideas. And this is where I think we have a good connection. Like, yes, I run a school that teaches adults how to code, but deep down, I care about creativity and empowering people, yeah. you know? 
Um, that's it's why. Funny how it's all connected. Like I have a similar conversation with almost anyone who's in this converging space where people are trying. It's like human growth potential or something right. like that. Yeah. Right. And so. You know, and I didn't grow up as some, you know, entrepreneur who's selling, you know, cookies to my classmates or trying to make a profit on candy or something, right? I just, uh, it's been about people and, um, and empowering people. And so, got that first job as a developer and it was exciting. We started this thing called By Designers for Designers. Started meeting up. This is all happening in London. Um, and I just found that there's this community of people that were, that were, supportive and passionate and creative and kind and friendly. And, and so we started doing these events around the world. Um, and I didn't have a wife and I didn't have kids, so I had lots of time, right? So infinite time to do things, um, which I love my kids and wife now, so, but I have less time. So we did these meetups everywhere, and we called them Creative Fight Club. Yes. And, right? Because oh, I'm bummed that you already sniped that. That's, <laughs> I would love that. Right. Well, I might, I might buy that. It's defunct you. now, so okay. you know oh, you can I have it. Right? it. Maybe we'll um, do it together. So, Creative Fight Club. Right. Fight Club is a club no one talks about that can is run by anybody anywhere, um, and it's empowering. Right. So we thought, yeah, that's it's basically Creative Fight Club. Anyone can run one of these events, anyone in the world, and we'll help support it, and we'll just put it on the website. And we'll will do whatever we can. And so they sprung up everywhere. They were, I think we did over 50 events in eight different countries and like 40 different cities. Wow. You know, all the way from Milan to, uh, to Chicago, you know, to Buenos Aires. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, that's legit. And, and it really built out this amazing network of friends um, around the world. And, you know, all this, wow, I have a day job. You know, I'm a, a developer. Yep. Um, and so this kind of goes on for a while, and um, and then I was going to move back to the states because I was like, England's great, but you know, I'm American, I'm head back. And then met a girl. Let's <laughs> uh, change all that. There right? you go. So she walked into a coffee shop, and uh, I my life has never been the same. So got married, stayed in England, and then well, what? She, I, is she Brit? She's a British. Got it. She's a British person. Yeah, I like to say she's a Brit. Or she's a Breton, right? She's a Breton. Breton. <laughs> right. She's a I never used to call her. She's a British woman. She's my wife. She's okay. great. Um, and, uh, you know, settled down over there. And then uh, what I realized is I really, something is going on with coding and, and empowerment. And people can now make apps and they can turn it into a living. And something crazy is happening here. Yep. And it's cool that you had David on the show from Basecamp because... All their work that they did, you know, empowering people to build apps and start companies. And yeah. it was just a petri dish of creativity. Um, so I was kind of formed in that petri dish, really. You know, I realized, yeah, I can build a web app because um, I learned how to code. And, and I work at a design company, so I understand a simple problem, which was you can't send large files, as stupid as that is. Yeah. This was a problem uh, back in 2004. And so built a simple web app. And, and Jill and I had just got married. And uh, at that time, I thought, I'm going to make some web apps. We're going to turn this into a little company and see how it goes. Um, but the, the thread that was weaving through my life, which was empowering people, encouraging people, it wasn't really met by building a startup that sends large files. 
it was like, wow, that's a need I understand, but I don't really care about this problem. And so built that and quit my job and tried to sell it. Uh, did a terrible job selling it. <laughs> so this is why I didn't, until recently, didn't think I was good at sales. Um, I called a couple of people and said, will you like sign up for this thing? And they're like, no. <laughs> I was like, I hate sales. Okay, I hate sales. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, I never want to do that again. There's a real lesson embedded in here. We're going to cover this. We're going to go deep. So, and then that, that, basically that thing slowly failed. You know, I didn't know how to sell it. I didn't know how to market it. I, I just knew how to code it. And it slowly died. And when it did die, and, you know, I, I want to encourage anyone that happens to be watching this that, you know, thinks people have it all figured out and they see their wins believe they never had failures. Like, there was a night when it was the most humbling night of my life, basically. I had shown Jill all of these spreadsheets, you know, that said, you know, our sales are going to go up, and we're going to be, you know, making millions of dollars, and it's going to be great. It's going to be like base camp, right? Um, and it wasn't. And I remember there was one night when I just had to admit to myself, like, this thing isn't flying. Like, and I had to go, I turned off my machine. I was working in our, in our uh, attic mm -hmm. on this old, like, beige PC. It was terrible. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I didn't even get it. Um, and walked downstairs, and Jill was, um, she had already finished work, and so she was uh, making dinner. And, and uh, I was like, you know, all those spreadsheets I showed you where we were going to win and everything's going to work, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I think it's, like, I think it's going to fail. And, you know, all the pride I had to eat and all the, you know, it was just humiliating. Um, and she's like, it's cool. <laughs> I can pay the rent, so we'll figure it out. And, I mean, that's one of the reasons I love her. Um, and at that moment, it was like, okay, like, let's reboot. Um, and we had been doing that by Designers for Designers meetup. And I realized, wait a minute, I have this amazing network of friends that know how to teach you know, how to build websites and how to design websites. Why don't we teach people how to do this? Because then they can take that knowledge and then they can change their life. And it was just like a light bulb went off. And so we thought, okay, let's just do one like workshop thing where we have one person speak and we try to sell, you know, 25 tickets and let's see if we can turn this into a business. And was this the same night? Were you still sitting at the table? No, like, no. Yeah. This was, you know, it's interesting. It actually happened on our honeymoon, that idea. We were in, so we couldn't afford, we could barely afford a honeymoon. Um, we had 500 pounds, which is like $700 yeah. for an entire honeymoon. Wow. <laughs> so we, we, went, we walked into like a, um, a travel agent. Right? Remember those? Those, those still existed. And we're like, we have 500 pounds. Where can we go? And they're like, Turkey. <laughs> so, so we went to Turkey and, um, and uh, stayed in the cheapest place we could possibly find. And we were drinking like beer in our bed at night because we couldn't afford to go out to restaurants. And, but the only thing you could do during the day without dying was sit in the pool because it was so hot. Yeah. And so we were sitting in the pool. And, um, and I, I think I've thanked Jason Freed and David Hennemar Hansen for this, but they had done a workshop called How We Built Basecamp. And I, and I remember reading about it, I thought, hmm, that's kind of a business, and we know 
smart people like that that could teach these things. And, you know, maybe it, we could kind of do a workshop like that. And that idea happened in the pool. Wow. Nice. Um, so we the best ideas happen in water. Yeah. Just, just in case you're taking notes, case underline you're curious water. about that. Yeah, that's right. It's that's a, why we drink water. Yeah, that's right. It's all connected. Mm. <laughs> Deep thoughts from Chase. Um, so, yeah, the idea was, okay, I think we can actually take what I'm passionate about, which is encouraging people and empowering them and technology, and we can kind of combine them in this really simple idea. Let's get people in a room. Let's teach them, you know, how to make a website. Yep. And we did our first one in London, and it sold out. Um, and this is before social media, right? So we didn't post on Twitter or, right. you know, put it on Instagram or you had to, you had to we emailed it. people yeah. about it, you know? And, uh, and that is the beginning, really, of Treehouse. This idea of let's get people together who want to learn something that will allow them to change their life. Um, let's pick code because I happen to know how to code, you know? You can use it to create things. And you have a community. Right, and I have a community. And so I had done all this hard work not realizing it was building the foundation for launching Treehouse. This, there's so many things in what you've said that I want to go back and touch on. It's a on. life story, sorry. <laughs> no, we went deep. No, no, that's, like, I'd rather have, like, that's, what this, that's why this podcast exists, so we can have long-form discussion, right? It's, everything's not in a social media soundbite. Yes. So of the things that you talked about, one, that you didn't realize that the work you were doing was going to be able to be leveraged into the next thing. Yes. To me, this is a, of the hundreds of people who've sat here, this is a theme. Yeah. You're building a thing and you don't realize that what you're doing is building a skill set and building an X and building a Y, right. all of which is leverageable into your next thing. Right. So you're always going to take time. Yeah. And it takes time. That's right. like you have an idea and you really can't activate it overnight. Um, because things, especially with things like building community, mm. people believe that when you launch something, I have this a video that I've recommended over and over, it's called the other 50%, mm. which is that 50% of your time is making and shipping, mm. and then the other 50% of your time should be building a community such that whenever you do anything in the future, you're not doing it alone. Right. You're right. doing it with people and with uh, an interest in mind and an area of focus and people who are passionate about like-minded things. Yes. Yeah, I think that advice is golden. Yeah, gold. You know. But I'm hearing that you know, in, in your story. Also, I want to touch on sales, how unimportant it was to you at one point. Yep. And now we can segue into what you're, you know, how you're thinking about that now. Uh, and then there's this third one, which is um, wanting to be in service of other people. Mm. Yours came from a particular religious background, but that's another, um, it's another thread that right. is very popular on the show. So uh, let's take them in order, community part. So how, how, at that point, it was very sort of, let's get tactical, like it was less scale because it wasn't happening on social, it wasn't happening in other places, but you were still building it. So in a world where social didn't exist and or we can still learn from it because we don't want to rely only on social, how did you go about thinking and building and, and creating your community? The most important thing is that I didn't start trying to make it into a billion dollar company or a million person thing. Yeah. It was literally, let's have a meetup in London at a bar, right? And let's make it great, you know? Like, let's get some smart people there. 
and how are we going to pay for the beer? And how are we going to check and see if people show up? And how are we going to make it a good experience? And I think, you know, and we, you and I have talked a lot about yep. this, that especially in, t in the world of today is that, you know, if, if you don't have, you know, at least, you know, 10,000 followers on Instagram, social, Facebook, whatever, you're nothing. Yeah. Like, and nothing you do really matters. And you'll never get there. Like, you got to, or if you're starting a business, you have to be raising money, you know, millions of dollars, you know. Or if you're doing something on YouTube, it has to be so great that you get immediate. Go viral. Right. It, I hate that word. It's just, there's like a lack of, of, of honesty about the fact that it really has to be built on something you believe in and that you're willing to put time into. And it doesn't have to be something big right away. I mean, that's In fact, nothing is big right away. Right, nothing, <laughs> nothing is, yeah. right? And there's really weird outlying stuff, and I think we just have to ignore all of that. Um, so BD40, Creative Fight Club, by designers for designers, the reason why that turned into something special is because we weren't trying to make it big yeah. and scalable um, and profitable. I mean, it just, I mean, like, there was no money in it at all. Yeah. And so I think that's the key. And I want to encourage people that what, you know, if you care about something, it matters. Like, if you are passionate about, um, you know, getting together a group of people in your hometown that care about uh, knitting something that has to do with the forest, and you care about that, then that's all that matters. Yeah. And if it takes off and it goes crazy, like, that's great. You can figure that out later. Um, but the connections I built, you know, through, because I put in my blood and my sweat and my tears into that, they really, you know, built a foundation for me that I just cannot, um, I could never have bought. It's so true. And we're told so regularly in our culture that X doesn't matter or Y doesn't matter or you don't matter. Or we tell ourselves at 3 a.m. our gremlin voice that we don't matter because we don't have enough followers or business isn't big enough. And I'll tell you, like, um, I'll just go on record, we have tens of millions of people on the Creative Life platform. We've raised, you know, tens of millions of dollars building it. Um, I think it's successful by standard means. But if you sit in almost any room in Silicon Valley with a bunch of investors, you go to a conference or whatever, nine out of 10 things are talking about the unicorn. And so if you're always comparing yourself to, you know, an Airbnb, Joe's been on the show, or, um, uh, Uber, you know, fastest growing company in the history of the right, world. You're right. you're always like compare Schlager yeah. to use my never be good for, for Leo's um, story about that's like the worst tasting liquor, Gold Schlager. So <laughs> like Schlager. never compare yourself to these other folks. <laughs> be, just because that's what the dominant culture uh, cultural conversation is doesn't mean that it doesn't have value. And in fact, if you flip the script and you say everything that you do has value, mm. if it impacts you or another person there's embedded value. And I'm right. hearing that in, yeah. in what you it said. It matters. Yeah. I mean, and you just have to throw out all the, the vanity metrics. And, and I think it's especially true for creatives. I mean, you know, you hear about people that blow up on Instagram or, you know, they get everywhere and they're creative. It's just hard not to feel like you're not good enough. Yeah. And, you know, I guess I just want to say you are good enough. And then there's the 10,000 hours thing is a thing that it might be a little bit tired, you know, as a pop culture reference. But the reality is that everybody who has achieved any lasting 
success. I think you can have a, a sort of mm. a fake summit, a little a peak of success, but then you go right back down. Right. It happens with photographers all over the place. They're like, oh my God, I got my first, I got a Nike campaign. Tomorrow, it's the universe. Right, right. And then what? they, you know, then they hit time. me up on social or whatever, right. like two months later, and like, haven't seen a dollar right. since that last right. Nike campaign. Like, of course you haven't. Right. Yeah, you got to put in yeah. years and years and years. Yep. But you know, I, the classic 10-year overnight success, right? right. I, you know what's fun to do is go back in time and find someone's first like YouTube video or first. Oh, yeah. And I haven't done it to you yet. I, can't, I need to go back mm. and see like mm. episode one of whatever <laughs> Chase did. And I bet it's hilarious, yeah. right? Yeah. And same with what, I mean, mm. well, anything I did is hilariously yeah. bad. Yeah. And I actually started doing it, uh, did it for Joe Rogan the other day. I'm like, I wonder what Joe Rogan's first video is. And it's hilariously shit. Yeah. Right? It is. It's yeah, like I've some sort of live it. video yeah. thing yeah. on like some weird, you know. And he's a thousand episodes into his show yeah. now or something like that. So it's helpful to, to go back and be like, yeah, that was really terrible. It's okay to start bad, you know. So there's that thread of helping people. So that was rooted in community. You felt like you'd found your community with by designers for designers in a very unscalable way. Yep. That's my short summary of yep. that. Good summary but of my life. Okay. Of my pain. <laughs> no, but, uh, <laughs> no, but that's painful, yeah. I think is, and, but that you're doing something that you care about and that it's, it never, it doesn't happen at scale overnight. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm going to reference a friend of mine's uh, words called gold-plated grit, and the, my friend is Brene Brown, and she talks about people only talk about the, oh, it was hard, and they'll tell a two-second story about how hard it was, but then they'll go right back to the, but isn't everything but it's awesome great. now, right? right. And uh, and I am I'm guilty of that, especially with re- with respect to Creative Live, telling a story about how our first class had, you know, it was super hard. It was in a small, gritty little warehouse in South Seattle. The room was, gosh, it was like you know, 12 by 18. Right. And, but our first class had 50,000 people. Right. But, uh, right. but and, we're great. But, and, but we're the reality not, is I'd spent 10 years right. going from, you know, ASMP chapter to ASMP chapter or making videos right. on YouTube that were seen by 1,000 people. Right. Or honestly, it was before YouTube called Google Video. Oh, gosh. I'm answering that. people's right. questions. And there was 10 years of that. Right. Such that when we flipped the switch on Creative Live, there was an audience and a community that was waiting to, to receive it. So let me ask you a quick question about this, because I've been thinking about this. Okay. I feel like at a certain point, you're, you feel like you really need to play this game where um, you, you do put a, a, an amazing spin on everything you do, mm-hmm. because it, it does work. Sure, it's helpful. Right? Tell stories. And, Sticky stories. But there's... there's a part of me that just, like, I struggle to do that mm-hmm. because it, there's a part of it that doesn't seem honest, you know. Yeah. But and so there's this. How do you how do you deal with the the fact that actually it is all pretty hard, and <laughs> and most of it doesn't work. Yeah. And then the, there's great stuff and it does work, and and that's actually how you get investors, and that's how you, you know, make more money, and that's mm-hmm. how you X Y Z get right. the big deals. But actually, it isn't really true. I have a, I have a, I have a, a thought. My sure. thought is that I tend to look at things through a lens of the universe happens for you, not to you. Oh, interesting. And so if the universe is happening for you, what is it that I can learn from this thing? Mm. And that's the story that I'm going to tell. Oh, yeah. That not necessarily sense. like, was it awesome or did it suck? Mm. It's... 
what lesson, because a lesson is pretty much always positive because it's a learning event. Right, right, right. That's a good, yeah, that makes sense. And so uh, I've struggled with the same thing. Like, how do you be authentic? And how I talk about um, best camera, it was this iPhone app that I did. It was app of the year. I mean, there was however many hundreds and thousands of apps at the time. And it was, you know, whatever on everybody's top 10 list. New York Times, Washington Post, Wired Magazine kicked off in part the global photo sharing craze. And yet when I was, you know, offered to have that company purchased, I said no. And then uh, there's just a, there's a long diatribe. But how is that? Maybe one of the most awesome things that's ever right. happened to me. And I, I, it's easy for me to say it was App of right. the Year and bootstrapped and had millions of downloads. Right. And it was Phil Schiller's favorite app and wow. et cetera. Right. But in reality, it didn't it, work. It, yeah, it didn't work. Right. That's and, interesting. And by every sort of financial metric, it would be a failure. Right. Sir made millions of dollars, but then went nowhere. Right. So, yeah, m- like I never had to pay money. Right. But it was. Instagram a year and a half before Instagram. Right, right. So the lesson <laughs> that you draw from that, right? Yeah, so how is like, and yes, I frame that when I'm having a conversation with someone as like, yeah, and I made this app, it was app of the year. Right. But see this article where I expand in detail that it was the most painful experience in my professional life. Right, <laughs> right. I call right. it my biggest failure, and if right. you want to read about it, come here. Right, interesting. I actually find um, that you have a great balance of that. Just knowing you personally, I'm just going to put it out there that you, um, I never feel like you're gloating, but you're always moving forward. Mm. And that's a, to me, that's a really, it's a, it's a balance that makes like having honest conversations with yeah. you fun. Thanks. Like, I'll share that before we got on the camera, we were sitting on the couch out here in the creative live offices in Seattle. You're talking about how you're, you know, growing treehouse now in a way that you didn't think right that you were and it's ironically it's the thing the third thing i wanted to touch right, on in your right, intro story, yeah. which is sort of sales you never really thought of yourself and this is another basically theme that a few exceptions but by and large people who identify as creators right struggle to think about sales sales what the hell? Yeah, so but in our very honest conversation before we got on camera here, which we stopped that conversation so that we could right. continue. Yeah, like, right. We're getting okay. into good stuff now. We can stop talking. <laughs> but like you, I know this is a big jump from you know doing by designers for designers and starting your first small workshop teaching people how to code, and now you're ten years in, eight years in, eight, eight yep, years eight in, eight years in, yep. And you are leading Treehouse's sales. Right. I mean, you're the founder and CEO, but yeah. you're also Literally selling into selling enterprises. Things. Yeah, let me talk about it because yeah. I, I think it's that, fascinating to me. I think that this is a, a super important subject for creatives. Yeah. Um, because I think essentially I am a creative person. Yeah. And 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 I, anyone who's watching this or listening to it, I, I want them to avoid this painful lesson. Um, <laughs> this is where you, you sharpen your pencil. Get ready. Man. Right, because literally six years of my life, um, I feel, were, um, it's a, I don't want to use too harsh a word, like ruined, but yeah. I want to use um, a, a strong word yeah. you know, that says, I didn't understand that as a creative person and as a, a passionate people person that actually selling something was the key to actually helping p- 
people and succeeding. Like, yeah. it actually is all that really mattered, right? And so yeah. let me dig into that. So what, what happened is, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to start a school that teaches people how to code because then they can get jobs. And we can make an, a really amazing product. And I feel that I have a kind of a natural product mind. It just comes to me easily. I feel like I understand people really well. So when you think about, okay, how do we build a product that meets this human need? That comes naturally to me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a designer per se, but I, I love design and I appreciate it. And, um, Recognize it. Yeah, and I know the value, value of it, yeah. right? So that all was easy. Um, but because of my deep scars trying to sell stuff uh, earlier in my life, I, I thought selling this thing is someone else's job, right? And actually promoting it and marketing it and making people want it, you know, is something that's kind of like slightly dirty. Like uh, it's just us creative people, we, we create it and then the dirty salespeople sell it, right? Yeah, or <laughs> no. it takes care of itself because it's so Because it's good. amazing, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's just going to be a rocket ship, right? Um, and so I kind of avoided that whole side of the business, you know. Um, and Treehouse did grow or organically pretty aggressively for a, a couple years, and that gave me a false sense of security, too. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, six years into my, you know, professional career running Treehouse, I realized the only way for this to truly grow is for me as a founder to actually get my head around how do I sell this service to somebody. Um, and this is like the nitty gritty. I'm gonna actually have a conversation with someone who doesn't know me, that doesn't know Treehouse. And doesn't I'm gonna, care about it. Doesn't care. I'm gonna try to get them to buy, right? <laughs> and uh, what I realized, and this is the key takeaway, is that as soon as you care deeply about something, you don't have to sell it. You are simply trying to get someone to know about it because it might solve a deep problem they have. And that is like totally something different. Yeah. Right? So I, I assume everybody listening or watching to the show is pretty passionate about a subject or is creating something they care about. Yeah. The truth is somebody needs that product. They actually need it. Yeah. They don't, you're not trying to trick them into needing it. Yeah, that's a big myth. They right? need it. Right, they need and it. So, that's the truth. And then you need to do the work to tell them about it. Because how are you ever going to help them unless you do the work to help them find you? Because they're not, guess what? They're not going to find about you. They're not going to care. They're not going to come knocking on your door. Um, and so this The was, number of people who are looking is small relative to the number of people who need it and are stuck. And they're not doing right. the looking. So that's where you need to be you in, do their, the work. Yeah, in their field of view. Right? right. And so I think as soon as I started talking to people about Treehouse. You know, one of, the, one of the key things that we do now is we help companies create talent. You know, yeah. literally, hey, we can't hire enough developers. Which is know. a very common theme in, in the world today. Right. Yeah, especially kind of everywhere. Yeah, everywhere, Silicon Valley, uh, Seattle where we are, right. Austin, New York, Boston, like, and I'm right. sure internationally it's the same as true. Right. Right? And, and it gets even worse if you happen to be based in, you know, like, Louisville, Kentucky, yeah. for instance, you yeah. know, 
you're a tech company or you have, you know, you need to build things and you really can't find somebody because no one there knows that you're there and yeah. it gets worse. So what I realized is, is that I had to do the work to go talk to companies and say, I know you have this brutal problem. We can actually help you solve it. And it wasn't dirty or bad or uncomfortable because either people said, no, we don't have that problem. Cool. No problem. We're not a fit for you. Or yes, we do have that problem. I want to talk to you about it. And because I'm selling something that I truly believe in, it's, it's nothing like what we think is sales or marketing. And I think a lot of creative people are crushed by this. So I've always believed that. And I laugh when people say, oh, yeah, Chase, but you're so good at marketing. Mm. Like, yeah, you're a great photographer or, yeah, you know, creative life, good business idea, but you're so great at marketing. And I'm like, no, no, no. What I'm no. great at is figuring out what I care about. Yes. And I think the people that know you actually know you're not bombastic or arrogant or, you know, I was just watching you actually interact with your staff. Oh. And it was interesting Ooh. because you're not arrogant at all. Um, you, you actually kind of stand kind of like... A bit hunchy, mm-hmm. like a bit kind of, you know, like hunchy. Hey, hey everybody, want a personality test. You can <laughs> right. like go see Ryan Carson. I mean, and what's interesting about that is you're not at all like some you know um, brazen marketer. Um, <laughs> People don't usually use the word slick, it's right? Like, dude, yeah, dude has got like, but this is this is the message though that we want people to hear, right? Yeah. Is that it all comes from actually being passionate about a problem that you truly care about. Yeah. Right, and and I'm not religious anymore, but like it ultimately was rooted in this like deep, deep, deep desire to help people. Yeah, and it just happens like oh, you can actually help someone if you teach them how to code because they can get this high paying job for sure. Right, um, and therefore, if I learn how to find people that have the problem that I'm trying to solve, and I've I've learned how to talk to and and part of this is. Anyone who's watching or listening to this, like, you, you, they may have to sell to a business. Because like, Treehouse primarily helps businesses create talent. Yeah. So I'm actually going into you know, folks at work, trying to get them to care about Treehouse. They're busy. You know, it's, it's definitely a hard kind of marketing and sales yeah. versus a consumer yep. kind of play. And they're both hard. But, but I don't want people to think that this is only... Uh, um, selling to a human, yeah, or an individual, it's to a business for right? sure. As a photographer, my I was like, you're selling into commercial photography, right. so like uh, Google That's, or Apple or right. Samsung or Nike. They want to they hire a photographer. You right. have to sell into Nike, right? And <laughs> yeah, which sounds terrible, right? <laughs> um, and but the interesting thing is that the, the 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 fear of selling to a business feels like it is a massive barrier to creative people, right? Because yep. they think, number one, they feel like it's selling out maybe. Yep. Like, if I sell to business somehow, it's worse or not great. Number two, it's just really hard. I mean, how do I sell to a business? And, and what I've learned is that's all a misperception, that actually all the money is in business because they can fund all of this creation, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So actually, you need to sell to them because that's how you can build a living for yourself and how you can build something sustainable and profitable and 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 so it's actually all there and as soon as 
you have a couple conversations to figure out how do I talk about it to somebody, you know, with this title, um, what size company am I aiming at? You know, what's the job title of the person that I'm trying to sell to? If you can identify the, those three simple things, uh, the other thing is location, you know, where are they? You can actually start to have conversations, you know, over social or email or these kind of simple things and say, I think you might have this problem that yeah. we solve. Do you have that problem? Are you trying to solve it right now? And people will respond. Yeah. They don't tell you to F off and you know, go home. If they want to solve the problem, yeah, they want to talk to you. Especially if you frame it in, I have this thing and I would love to help. Like right. This thing was born from my genuine desire and passion for it. And I just have found out that this appear, apparently is a problem that a lot of people have. And not saying that you have this problem, but if you do, like I'm here. I can help. And if what I love is sort of there's like the absolute cold turkey part of that, where you're calling someone who you don't know, or you're putting it out on social, or you're saying an ad out there or whatever. But there's also the relationship part. Like so much of my, um, any sort of success in selling has just been having a community that people right. find out when, and it's super cool when you're standing for something that you're passionate about and other people will say, I heard you talking about that right. thing, and I have that problem. Right. Like, yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, and then you right. and and you still try and you come at it from a, like, oh, well, it'd be awesome if this works out. Right. If it doesn't, no big deal. We're still friends, or we're still in right. the same community, right. or whatever. Yes. Um, and yeah, I, and that's what selling is actually like. Yeah. And I I didn't know that, and I think a lot of people don't know that. Oh, I would say of the folks listening or watching, nine out of ten are scared shitless of the concept of selling. Or, and or the actual don't understand the tactics. And yep. you know, the, as far as tactics, like, you know, there's lots of creative life classes or right. I'm sure you can- There's a place you can go to learn that. Sure, just and go figure, creative life. go figure. But I think the concept is the major hurdle. Yeah. Like it feels dirty, I feel um, gross or scared or rejection is horrible <laughs> right. or- And all those things are, <laughs> are, are true. Are true. Right. But if you've re I love this. If, if you take Ryan Carson's advice here and reorient towards your sharing what you're passionate about right. and you're, you solve a particular problem and this person either has that problem or they don't. Right. How simple is that? It, it is. And actually, the, the, the process is pretty simple. And I was talking to you on the couch about yeah. this. Actually, sales is not complex. It's simple. It's hard, but it's simple. And the thing I did first you know, because I don't want people listening or watching to think, well, that's great, but like, how do you actually do it, yeah. right? And all I did was I started off with a couple people that I already had a connection with. You know, they would take an email or a call, and I could say, I think you have something like this problem. We, you know, have built a solution to it. I just love to run it by you. Yeah, can I get some feedback? Yeah, or is this helpful? Really or, simple. Yeah. And you know, if you don't have this problem, just be blunt and say, I don't have this problem. And, and so actually, the first couple folks that I sold to were people I was connected to. They weren't like friends, yeah. but I, I knew that they you know, knew me. So I think everybody probably knows one or two people in their network somewhere where they can ask that simple question. Mm -hmm. I think I've got a solution to a problem you have. I just want some feedback. You know, and if you don't have this problem, just say you don't have it. There's zero pressure. Mm -hmm. And then you get your first meeting, you know, where you can say, I've got this thing, but actually tell me about your problem. Yeah. 
that's the key right there right. is asking like, what's your problem? Or right. knowing their problem because you heard them talk about it somewhere else. And it's like, I heard you say the yeah. problem or you have to hire X number of designers a year or whatever the thing yeah. is. Yeah. And then, you know, this is all like people, um, conversation stuff, but get them yeah. talking. Mm-hmm. You know, just listen and, and hear them out for a while. People love to be listened to, right? They do. Um, and, and so do that a couple times, take notes. And then what I, I did is say, I, would you actually pay money to solve this? And, you know, we're going to eventually charge a bunch of money to do this, but theoretically, would you actually, you know, pay a thousand bucks for this? And then you're asking, like, the actual, hey, is this actually something you, you would pay to solve? If, if not, then, you know, I don't want to waste your time. You know, I, I don't want to waste my time. And so we kind of get into those, like, dirty questions only because they're truthful and honest. Yeah. You know, is this actually something that you want to solve? Um, and so I think that process, you know, fast forward now a year I've been selling, you know, now we're talking about, you know, a lot of money is, is, is being produced by our sales team. And it's all because we started with this simple little process by me who didn't know how to sell. Shifting gears. That's been about sales and the creator and all of us feeling cringeworthy. And um, I want to talk about two different things. One in particular is finding the thing. Hmm. Most of the people that I know who haven't found the success that they expected for themselves or have not yet sort of reached that thing, I find it's largely because they're focused on the wrong thing. And the, the, the thing that I want them to focus on is how to find your thing, the thing that you love. Right. So that's thing one I want to talk about. And then thing two is a, is a bunch of single one-liner questions about you personally. Cool. So we're going to say that. Let's do it. Nope. We're gonna, that's, that's B. Right. Thing A <laughs> nope. is how did you figure out that this was the thing, that this was your calling? I know we heard a little bit of the backstory, but how did you know? Yeah. Or did you not? And then you're like, you just started doing, and then you feel like, oh, my gosh, I totally love this. So I call it my why, um, and I only discovered it when I was 32. And so for all you 24-year-olds out there, right? There's a you have a long way to go, and that's okay. Yeah. And even when I was 32, it wasn't clear to me that it was exactly my why. It it feels like um, like a dream, you know, like there's something here, but it it wasn't a lightning bolt and. The way it happened for me is I realized, you know, I, so I've run four companies. Um, you know, two have, uh, one failed, sold one, kind of fire sale style, and uh, uh, then I sold another and then Treehouse. And it's not until Treehouse that I actually truly believe in what I'm doing. Yeah, this is the thing that this I'm supposed to be thing. doing. Yeah. yeah, and I often say, this is the company I want on my gravestone. Yeah. You know, um, so how and why? And I think the answer is, it's okay that it was a windy path. And it was not clear that there was uh, an end point, right? And so only in hindsight can I look back and say, oh, gosh, there, there was a path. And it started by me admitting, you know, this whole sending large files thing, this company, I don't give a shit about this. Right. What, am I, what am I doing? Not, a, not an emotional I mean, pain point. Yeah, I'm probably helping people send porn, 
right? <laughs> I mean, this is madness, right? And I don't care about it, and um, so I need to move closer to something that I care about. But it was, you know, it was, it was clumsy. It was, okay, let's do a workshop where we teach people how to do PHP, right? Like, what? PHP? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and that was, okay. And then the thing that actually that worked is we did that first workshop that I talked about. And afterwards, people came up to me and they were smiling. And they said, that was amazing. You know, thank you. And I was like, thank, thank me? You know, you just paid me like 500 quid. Like, I don't get it. And they're like, that was an amazing day. I learned so much, and I'm a better, happier person. So then I was like, tick. You know, something is there. Still not quite right, you know. And then it was evolving a little bit more and a little bit more. So I think, I think the way I did it was just asking myself, you know, over and over again, what if I died doing this right now? Would I feel like my life was worth living. Um, and most of the time it was no. It was like sending large files, nope. <laughs> you know? um, like helping 30 people who are basically already wealthy learn code, no. Um, okay, let's take that idea and make it more affordable by putting it on the web and doing it over video. Yeah, um, but. Getting there, but. Getting there. But, but, you know, and then, again, sort of realizing, actually, what I'm truly, truly passionate about is empowering uh, underserved people so they can get jobs. You know, underrepresented people of color, women, folks who are LGBTQ. Like, these are the folks that, that society is really locking out, right? And so we've evolved the idea even more now. And so I think... What I want here to pe people to what I want people to hear is that it it is very much like a windy path, you know, through a map. And as long as you keep asking yourself, "Am I okay?" This being the last thing that I ever do. And if the answer isn't quite yes, and you're privileged enough to be able to do something about it, yeah, because that's another topic, right? For sure. Sometimes you just got to do a job to feed your kids, right? And that's something different. Um, if you can slowly move towards that, you know, you end up at a place where no amount of money uh, could replace the amount of joy that I get when somebody uses Treehouse to change their life. And now I get up at 4.30 every morning, you know, I'm driven like a crazy person, you know. <laughs> but it's weird how that unlock happens when right. you're doing the thing. Yeah, doing the thing unlocked this crazy person who, you know, you'd have to kill me to get me to stop. And, uh, but I didn't know that's where I was going to end up. And I didn't have a secret plan to get me there. I didn't have a system that, you know, optimized my life. It was just a simple question. Is this the thing that I want to do? And can I move closer to that thing? And what would those things look like? Yeah, what's something that's a little bit more like that? And then being patient and willing to put in, like we talked about, the years and years of work. And then you end up in a place where if you're privileged enough to have the important things ticked off, you know, safety, food, you know, uh, enough money to live, then you can start to move closer to that. And it's just, uh, I feel so fortunate. It's great. What about the 
I'll say myth, but I'm giving away my personal bias, <laughs> but of like bet the farm, you're all in um, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial thinking. It is a myth. I, I, I think there is absolutely no reason you have to bet the farm or take the big risk or put everything in danger. I think actually it's much better to do the, hey, I made this thing. Let's just see if I can get one person to buy it. Right. And First I, like it, then buy it, then yeah. Right? So then, oh, one person liked it and bought it. And it's kind of a low price. So let's see if I can get someone to like it and buy it at a slightly higher price. Right? And then a little higher price. And so I think you can actually um, gently walk your way into that. Um, and I, I, I think eight years in, I'm 40 years old, you know, I think I've seen business after business and project after project where people said, you have to go big or you're going to lose. And it's never true. I mean, like, it just isn't. And so I think it's a total myth. I hate it, and I'm done with it. <laughs> so, well, is it has it been some pressure that you've felt in your in your career? Yeah, I mean, people like who's telling you to go big? Are these people you, the people you admire and appreciate? And then you, do you go away and have to stew and go, oh shit, what am I doing wrong? Mm. Um, how do you, how have you managed that for yourself? So there is a lot of pressure, um, you know, from. You know, everybody, it, it, you know, you see other founders and entrepreneurs who are raising a ton of money and, and appear to be growing very fast and, you know, and, and there's that. And then there is, you know, the media who, you know, puts people on a pedestal and then you have your own mind, you know, which is... Your 3 a.m. voice that's messing with your you. social feeds of yeah. everyone else's highlight reels and your day-to-day, -day. you know what your day-to-day -day right. looks like and you're looking and there. it's not yeah. that, yeah. you know? And then, you know, then all the, the doubt creeps in and it, you go to dark places. And I, I think it's all there. And I, what I've learned is it doesn't stop. Yeah. You know, you would think, I mean, just look at what you built at Creative Live. Like, look at what I built with Treehouse. And I still am haunted yeah. by feelings of not being good enough. And, you know, so the, I guess the answer is it doesn't go away. And I bet every person that we talk to is, that's at one step higher than us would say the same thing. And then when we get to that step, you ask the people above you and they say the same thing. And it happens until you die, right? So I guess there's an element of, you know what? I think what I am doing matters. I know the people I sell it to, I know it matters to them. And that's good enough. Yeah, and when that's I'm in a balanced enough. place, I remind myself that when I get unbalanced, this is the line that I'm gonna hear from that piece <laughs> of my brain. And Sorry. that's not there to keep me happy or safe. It used to be there to keep me alive, but that's not required anymore. So that's a good go, back to, go back to work. I should probably write that down somewhere. And you just have to listen, listen to this show there over and over. Yeah, like, right. We're you know, at one hour and four minute mark. Right. Um, what? No, uh, but I think, so how you personally think and act is, that's what I'd like to shift gears to if we can, because um, I find that there's a lot of insight based in if, if I can learn from someone else's mistakes and I don't have to put my hand on the burning hot right. stove, <laughs> yeah. for example. That's better. So uh, morning routine, what do you do? How do you take care of yourself in the morning so, and or evening? Self-care just in general. I use the little iPhone app that's like the bedtime app and I aim to get, I think it's like seven hours of sleep a night. So go to bed at 10, sometimes 10.30, wake up at 4.30. 
um, and uh, you know, have a quiet alarm, goes off. And what I do that's been tremendously helpful is I immediately put in my earphones and I listen to crazy dance music. Wow. Like, because I need to change the chemicals in my brain, right? Because when I, when I hear the alarm, I think I don't want to do it every day. There's never a day I'm like, woohoo, let's go. I'm like, fuck, like, okay, it's time to do it again, you know? And then I'm like, okay, that's just tired physical body talking. Yep. Let's get out. And then I listen to, you know, like just hilarious dance music, right? And then I, um, and then I walk downstairs, get, turn on the coffee, have a protein shake. And then, um, as I was telling you out there, I'm a salesperson right now. So I do all my sales tasks, you know, from like 4.40 to 5.45. And I, I can crank, I can get things done, you know. How long do you listen to the music? Are you still listening to music while you're cranking? Um, I, I listen to it a while, and then I'm like, this is getting distracting. Yeah, <laughs> so, so you just get it up and moving. Yeah, for a while, and then probably turn it off, you know, 10 minutes into email and, and stuff like that. And then, uh, then I work out down in my basement from 5.45 to 6.30, and I've kept that really simple because I realized I don't have time to go to a gym. Yeah. And I, and I don't want to do that. So I'm kind of training for, I do Spartan races. That's kind oh, of my thing. Um, butter, Spartan. Yeah. And I have one coming up, actually. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, so just do a bit of training. And that's, you know, and that's another, that was a big unlocker in my life is getting physically fit. And I didn't realize how much energy it gives you. And yeah. Like how it changes your mind, and so I do that. But I'm not some crazy fitness person, you know. I'm not like I don't have eight percent body fat, and I and I don't, you know, not drink alcohol. Like I'm kind of sort generally, of nor normal, healthy, yeah. yeah, generally healthy. And then uh, and then what I do is six thirty hits, and I uh, make a cup of coffee for my wife, and I take it up to her in bed, and then we sit and we talk for like thirty minutes. And that's been a big game changer too, just to sort of, let's just talk for a little bit. And the kids are crazy. They're like trying to like jump on my head or, or they're fighting with each other. <laughs> it's never like perfect, but it's a good spot where we, we talk. The takeaway is you decide that you're going to have some time that's like connected time. Yeah, and it's, it's like the Bible. I mean, it's like 6.30 to 7 is, is just hang out. Um, so we do that. And it... And sometimes it's boring. We talk about logistics. Okay, so wait, who's picking up, you know, the kids? Let's, and we yeah. try not to do that, but that does happen. And then breakfast. I, I make breakfast because... What do you eat? Um, I try to eat, you know... So you've already had a protein shake. You did that at 440. Yep. Right? Uh, okay. Then I tend, we tend to eat sort of paleo style. Yeah. So it'll be eggs, you know, salad, um, some bacon, you know, avocado, mm. stuff like that. Mm. It's good stuff. I know. I want that I right now. Super hungry. <laughs> I know. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah, it does. Sounds good. Um, so, and then I don't do enough cooking. I think yeah. so. I try to do that in the morning to contribute and yeah. also show my kids they can they can do that stuff. And then it's um, walk the kids. And then I I used to walk the kids to school. And this has been something that's hard actually since I took over sales. I realized I need to be in at eight forty five because we have a stand up meeting and I need to like be the example. Yeah. And that actually, I still am kind of haunted by that decision because I've chosen now to not walk my kids to school. Yeah. And it does kind of like mess with me. Um, like, am I choosing a treehouse over my kids right now? I don't know. Like, this is really important. 
but uh, maybe it's temporary. It, yeah. Nothing's permanent, I guess. That's what you can. It's a. I think it's a season in my life, yeah. right? So then I kiss my kids goodbye, my wife, and they walk to school, and then I hop in the truck, and I have a three thousand dollar Dodge Ram with one hundred seventy thousand miles on it. Pretty proud of that. It's got a lot of mold on it. Nice. <laughs> so, um, and this is a whole another side story. And then I go to work. So that's my morning, almost every morning. Got it. That's beautiful. What about, um, so in there a little bit is your personal care. So it sounds like sleep, like good food. Not enough sleep. I need to be getting more sleep. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this season of my life, I need to get less sleep while I kind of boot up Mm -hmm. sales at Treehouse. But then I'm hoping it will go back to more normal. You've mentioned it many times. You're talking about seasons. Mm. So how do you you think of your life in seasons like that? Clearly you do. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I feel... Like, you have to kind of push hard on parts of your life at different times. Um, with a foundation of, there's certain things I really want to make sure I don't, you know, not do. You know, as you can hear, my relationship with Jill is really important. My kids are really important. My health is really important. But uh, right now, it's sales and marketing. And, and so I, I think of that as, like, I've got to put in a lot of hard work for a period of time until I feel like, I understand that problem and how to solve it at scale. Yep, and then you you get another something yep. different. And, and then, then a new challenge will come in. Yeah, figure it out. Right, and then I can hire people to actually do that thing because I can actually understand how to support them and how to manage them. Um, and then it's the next thing, and I assume that will continue forever. All right, leadership skill. What do you think is, let's uh, A, your superpower and... Uh, what is something you've learned from leadership? My superpower is um, being visionary. I, I, it's really easy for me to see the future and like the way it's going to be. And, and we're always like a million miles from it, you know? Like, of course, in the future, no one's going to hire college grads. Like, that's crazy that we do that. Yeah. You know, let's just go to a new place where they don't do that. Everyone's like, what? You know, so I'm really good at that. And I'm really good at I'm really good at one-on-one. Like so, when I'm in a room with somebody, I, I it's just me and them, and nothing I, else yeah, matters. Feels, make them feel special, right? Yeah, I feel special sitting here. You, you are special, <laughs> number one. So. You're, you're, but you're, but I, I can see why that's a superpower. So great at that um, innate ability. The the thing I was really bad at that I've I've become acceptable at is. Um, Staying focused on something that's really boring um, and, and staying focused on it until it was done. Um, and I know for entrepreneur, like founder types, this is often a problem, yeah, right? It's be hard. And with sales, it was very clear. Like, yeah, you have to execute, you know, 37 sales tasks every day, whether you love it or hate it. Um, otherwise, nothing happens. So. All right, what's something special that you haven't said in another interview that people don't know about you that you either want them to know or you have to capitulate and tell me something. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a great okay. question. Um, it's usually, I don't think I've shared this. Yeah, okay. It's, um, so, it's a good start to the answer. Yeah, so I have three sisters um, and my, my mom is amazing um, and she always kind of drilled into me, you know, your sisters are going to be your sisters no matter how old you get. Right. And what, until what, some of you die, like, you're sisters and brothers, right? And we were really mean to each other when we were kids, you know. Um, my sister threw me into a glass table, and I've got a scar somewhere on my face. I used to stab her with a pencil, 
<laughs> wow. You know, we were not, we didn't like each other at all. And now we're best friends. And, um, and that's because of my mom. Um, but what we do now every other week is we have a group conference call. Wow. So we hop on and sometimes people can't make it. But it's like, hey, how's it going? And we just go around. Carrie, how's it going? What's like going on in your life? Wow, this is amazing. Yeah. And it really is amazing. And it's got us so tight now that we actually do a yearly sibling like retreat where we don't invite our partners, like no kids, and we just go and my sister has a cabin and we stay and we just like, you know, talk about it. People are always crying. There's always, yeah, you know, always drama. stuff. And so it's really helped us be like a close family. It's been pretty great. Wow. Crazy, that is, huh? That is a super amazing. I have never heard that. It's either really weird heard, or really cool. I've heard family board meeting. I don't remember oh, who right. said that, but just pretty not cool. Fun. Yeah, it's a little bit more, but it's a little more formal. Right. Um, all right, last question. You mentioned on your epitaph, like, or your tombstone or whatever, you like start a mm. treehouse. What, like, that, that is an acceptable answer, but how would you like to be remembered, both on this show mm. and um, certainly in life. I'm hoping there's a correlation there. There is. Um, I want to be remembered as someone who created a new path so someone could get a job that would change their life. That's what I want to die doing. Wow. That is, you can't top that? I'm working hard towards it. Super grateful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for making it happen. It's been fun. Three years in the making. Not bad. Ryan Carson, how do they fight? You're, you're at Ryan Carson on all of the things. Pretty much everywhere. Ryan Carson on Twitter, Instagram. Carson with an O-N. Carson, yep, C-A-R-S-O-N. And Treehouse is Team Treehouse, right? It is, yeah. Just Google Treehouse. I'm pretty sure we're one, number one on everything. <laughs> so we, we beat out the Treehouse building company. So I love it. Thanks for being on the show, bud. Really appreciate it. And for those of you tuning in, watching, listening, we'll probably, hopefully, be in your ears again tomorrow. All right, that about wraps it up. But uh, hey, before you bounce, two quick things. Um, Actually, I'm going to go three quick things. Thing one, A, thank you so much for being a part of this community. And I'm not quite sure how you, you landed on this podcast. It doesn't matter to me. The fact that we're all in this together and that we're able to have a conversation is awesome. I feel uh, honored to be in your ears right now and that uh, you've paid attention to what I've been doing, what Creative Live has been doing for some time. And whether it's been a day or 10 years, I just want to say thank you. It's also really important to know on the backside of that that I, I do a lot of responding to comments. So hit me up, on, you know, direct message me on, on Instagram or Twitter or at me. I try and respond as much as possible. So let's have a conversation that transcends me just being in your ears here. Let's try and do it some, somewhere out there in, on the internet land. That's thing one. Thing two, again, I'm not quite sure what channels you pay attention to me and my work, but please go check out. I'm at Chase Jarvis or slash Chase Jarvis or whatever on all the platforms. And it's really important to me. Also, if you wouldn't mind checking out Creative Live, it's something that not only myself, but 120 other committed hardcore badass people come to work every day uh, to build the place where creators and entrepreneurs learn. So check that out. They're just slash Creative Live or at Creative Live all over out there on the internet. All right. Until again, uh, probably tomorrow. I hope I'll hear you. I'll be in your ears maybe tomorrow and I'll look for your comments on the internets. Bye.